This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, I'm, I'm Ben. Jeff. I'm Ben. I'm Jeff. Uh, no, I'm... I'm <sighs> ben, just, just do, do it. The, just do okay, the I'm, thing. So, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, this is Ben, Jeff, and Thayer, and we host a podcast called Convince Me, where we have guests on to try to convince us to get on board with their unique obsessions. Check out our I'm podcast. It's called Convince Me. I'm Jeff. Take two. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, we've got a special guest on the show, Adam McCabe. It's going to be a great episode. I enjoyed doing it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, business. First, uh, please rate and review the show in iTunes. As many of you know, I'm doing a review drive. When I get 100 reviews in iTunes, there will be an Ian Roberts episode released. When I get 200, a Matt Walsh episode released. Everyone who's an Improv Obsession hero got the episodes in advance because what they did was they donated some money to keep the show online for everyone they're great and if you want to kick in a few bucks uh just to help keep the show online you can do so at improvobsession.com. there's a little paypal thing on the sidebar uh real quick i want to give some thank yous to people who recently left uh reviews for the show in itunes sasha feeler dr mcninja a white guy charlie redding kiwi attack knocks on doors scattershot dch goner daniel dob 1998 is that I'd be a very young listener. Would that be 15? No, that's, is that right? Yeah, you're young. Amazing. Uh, Sketchy Teddy, Mr. Mandrax, Sarah Claspel, what? You were on the show. That's very nice of you. Billy, New York City, D Stern, 1215, probably James, Maddie HK, and Jen Kruger, what? I was on her show. That's very nice. Thank you all for reviewing the show on iTunes. Uh, And uh, thanks to you, we're all one step closer to getting the Ian Roberts and the Matt Walsh episodes. Um, All right, enough with that. Let's get to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, special guest, Adam McCabe. Hi. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm okay, we're tired. Yeah, we're both exhausted. We're going to ride that energy out. I'm, I've already slouched over as much as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, you're you're really laying down. Yeah, pretty much. I'm happy with it. Completely disrespectful to the guests, well, but I guess if you got to get comfy, hey, go man, for it. I want you to be comfy, too. <laughs> cool, uh, then I'll take my shoes and pants off. Do it. <laughs> take your shoes and pants off. They won't know. Um, so, uh, so for the, for the podcast listening world, uh, people may know you, Mr. Adam McCabe from, uh, from, uh, Bangarang, mm-hmm. the, uh, the beloved, uh, former Herald team, I guess, who just recently moved off to Herald night yep. to Tuesday nights. And, uh, uh, I, I just forgot what sketch team you write for. <laughs> I write on a team super... called the O'Brother. O'Brother. Which is the second Wednesday that. of every month at UCB. Second Wednesday every month. So there's a little plug there for you. Go to that. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. then also, uh, one of the hosts of Sketch Bar. Yep. Uh, uh, and that's every Sunday at every 6. Every Sunday, 6 o'clock, UCB-sanctioned indie sketch show. Yes. And... 
Are those the things? Are those the, the main things? Yeah, well, let's let's just use those. Okay, because cool. anyone who listens to this would probably just know those. Yeah, but what? Well, what else is there then? Tell me, uh, tell me the I, other stuff. I do music, man. Oh uh, yeah, I oh. write stuff. I make web videos. Um, yeah, stuff like that. You're a full-on creative person with creative pursuits beyond just comedy. <laughs> yeah, you live a rounded life. Very much so. That's I amazing. Love being well-rounded. That's amazing. Uh, actually, I kind of want to talk about that because that that uh, that was interesting. To me. Like I, I saw you performing at the uh, Fredonia Fest, I believe. Yeah, yeah there was a big uh, outdoor music festival recently called Fredonia Fest, and uh, my band, The Real Weezer, uh, headlined <laughs> it. Yeah, and it was super cool. And then yeah, you're like, oh yeah, well I did music for years, uh, and that was interesting to me because I feel like mm, that's a unique background for yeah. the comedy world. Uh, well, it's a, you always hear about like comedians being in bands or like a, an actor starting a band or whatever. Yeah, I started the other way. Yeah, you did. I was just uh, in bands. I recorded albums. I toured. I did all that uh, from my late teens to my mid twenties, uh, and then I stopped and moved to LA and started doing comedy full time. What? Uh, why? Why? <laughs> like why do you, like? What, how did how did you get like? I'm going to start doing comedy. Well, I came up doing uh, improv through high school, and then right out of high school, I did uh, I did comedy sports for like two or three years. Where, where at Bakersfield, California? Okay. So uh, I, you know, I cut my <laughs> cut my teeth. Is that yeah, the that, expression? That's the expression. Sure, cut my teeth on uh, <laughs> on short form with comedy sports, and had a great time. Made some good friends. Uh, one of the guys on my comedy sports team was Blaine Swen. Oh, yeah, who sure. went on to start the Improvised Shakespeare Company. Which and is insanely good. Insanely good, insanely popular uh, in Chicago. Uh, and there are several other famous alumni, but uh, I, got a, I was lucky enough to be able to perform with them. Uh, and I was doing my music at the same time as that, uh, but I really wanted to focus on that. So I worked with uh, my friend Jim Cherry. I, I loved a band called Strung Out. They're a California punk band. Became friends with their bass player to the point where I considered him my brother, and we started recording uh, demos together for a record label, and uh, as well as my own band. I was working with him and his band, and then my own band as well. And he passed away, and when he passed away, uh, I kind of quit playing music for a while. Yeah. So that's where I made the switch of like, well, what do I want to do now? Because I don't really, I don't really want to make music without him yeah. around. And uh, so I, I played music for a little bit, but then just faded out. Got really into writing, uh, and that turned into comedy writing, and that turned into comedy performing. Started taking classes at UCB, uh, you know, five years ago, and uh, loved it. So I didn't stop. But I recently decided I want to get back into music. That's cool. So that's coming soon. That's coming soon. Mm-hmm. So watch out for all of those Oh Brother sketches, which is just Adam <laughs> playing and singing. Yeah, well, I'm not a performer <laughs> on my sketch team. I'm right. just a writer. Hey, man, you'll find a way. <laughs> yeah, that's why I do uh, one-man shows, is to have my own sketch outlet. Yeah, uh, I've never I've never seen one of your one-man shows, but I've heard, I've heard it reviewed as one of the best one-man shows uh which i, I don't know i thank believe you. it i've heard i've heard very funny ideas uh, thank you i'm doing i'm doing my new one i could plug again i'm doing my new Do one it. april 29th it's a tuesday night at 9 30 before bangering yeah and uh i'm paired with steve slog and drew tarver so it's going to be a very fun hour yeah that's super cool april 29th i'll, I'll check that out i love <laughs> it um cool uh well then maybe actually i want to oh, can we talk a little bit about music like sure uh so like 
you were you were like doing like touring and stuff. Well, okay, yeah, that that is really that's interesting. To me, I didn't. So you did both improv and music at the same time at this very young age. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? Like, I feel like I feel like no. I just I'm like God. It's so you're so lucky and like must be like to get into it early uh, and then like talent that comes with that practicing. That's great. Uh, uh, so like yeah, touring around. What? How does that? I don't know. What was that like? I just want to. Uh, it's awesome. It, because you you make friends with other bands and then you you you're both like on the road or you're both uh, exhausted or you're in a strange new town where you don't know anybody yeah so it's like you're the other bands just become such good friends to you because of that it's like you bond through that uh and then you and your bandmates it is so much like a relationship yeah uh you're always with each other see you're always around you play together you you sleep in the same room you eat together it's like there's no time apart so you really have to get along with who you're uh who you're touring with otherwise you have things like uh like the Eagles, where you swear you'll never talk to each other again, or the Smiths, uh, and then it just is disastrous. But uh, it's a lot of fun, man. It's not much different from being on like an improv team. I was going to ask because that actually does seem like a, maybe a more heightened version of it because a lot of improv teams, and I don't know, maybe I've been on plenty of not committed improv teams. <laughs> uh, but you know, like it's like oh, you'll see. Like I've been on that team where like you see each other at rehearsal, and then you spend the first. 30 to minutes to an hour just catching up because you haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we're not really... That time and commitment is so important. Every go, every group that I coach regularly, I always tell them, please hang out outside of rehearsal. Yeah. Please go get dinners. Go get beers together. Go like take a trip to Disneyland or something. Do something very fun together where you see each other outside of your normal comedy element. Because that's how you really learn how to play with someone, in my opinion. Yeah. It's like, well, I have a lot of fun. I, I did a show several times at UCB called My First Improv Show where it was me and a couple of vet improv, uh, improvisers who would pull first-timers out of the crowd and do a show with them. That's a blast because it's supporting someone who doesn't know the rules yeah. and making them look as good as possible. It's harder for us than it is for them yeah. uh, because we want them to look as good as possible. So then we work you know, our asses off to like make their choice sound like the best choice possible. Um, but I love that. But I love even more... Being so connected with my team, I kind of know where they'll go if I throw something up in the air. Yeah. Or more importantly, I know they have my back. If I step out and say the stupidest thing in the world, I know they will all commit to it 100% and follow me. Yeah. And that comes through knowing each other so well. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that Bangarang is super notorious for, uh, being uh, very supportive, all jumping on board. Uh yeah, that's uh, so. There you go. I'm very glad to hear that. I, I love that. It's because they're all good people. That's another really important thing. I don't think I ever talk about, but it's like all the other members of Bangarang are such good, nice people. Just good people. So that's a huge part of it too. Yeah, it makes it well. It makes it easier to like and trust uh, everybody on the mm. team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I was I was on a team a while back where. Like, I really, I'm shitty for it, but I was just like, a couple, kind of, you guys are like, a couple of you are like super inconsiderate of just people. You're kind of just like shitty dudes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's like, and I was like, I'm not, I'm going to, and I I eventually found that fairly quickly because I was like, oh, right. I'm not improvising with you you well because I'm like, you're kind of jerks. You're not going to, I don't know if I trust you to like watch my back or, you know, whatever in a scene. Uh, And then it turned out that I was the bad improviser all along. Look at that. 
That's like a Shyamalanian <laughs> twist. Yeah, and that's that's my whole life. Um, <laughs> yeah, that time you found out you were dead. That time you realized your water could kill aliens. The time I found out that I uh, had, was invincible, except yeah. for drowning. You know what's weird is I've never seen the movie Devil. Did he direct it or just produce it? Just produced it, I think. But he, he I came up with a story. It. Yeah. And I've avoided spoilers for it all these years, but mm-hmm. have never watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to see it. Uh, and actually, I did the exact opposite when I want to see a movie and I realized I'm not going to see it. I just read the Wikipedia synopsis. Uh, it didn't sound that good. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. It's it was a real bummer. Because it looked, because you like the it. trailer, you're like, whoa, interesting. Like, yeah. this is a cool dynamic. Cool concept, man. Yeah. It's like a mono scene. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like horror movies are great. Uh, a lot of times, like their premises are like, oh, if you just do it a little bit different, this would be a great improv scene. The the one <laughs> the one that's coming out with Ethan Hawke. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No, and I love horror, so I wish I did. It's Ethan Hawke, and it's like uh, all crime is legal for one day a year. Oh man, I've been hearing about this. Yeah. So, sounds like, great. everybody's talking about it, but I'm like, yeah, that sounds like an improv scene. Like, that does sound like something that would have come out of, like, a pattern game. Like, crime legal day! And then, like, uh, but if they, they just made a horror movie out of it, I'm like, I'm into it. Well, I think that's such a such a cool thing about improv is is you can see it in everything and it definitely helps with writing it's like yeah. uh, nothing has been better for my writing than improv and specifically like ucb game because yeah. you see game in things yeah and it makes your stories more efficient uh like uh curb your enthusiasm has excellent game it has excellent heightening um if you listen to like the howard stern show all of his bits have game to them it's yeah. so interesting to me yeah that it, it, can, it can be applied to anything. It's, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, uh, well, one, one thing, Joe, Wang, Joe Wenger, I had a class with Joe Wenger, and it was one of the funniest things ever when he told, when he mentioned, uh, right towards the end of it, we're in a class show. He's like, it's great. Cause, uh, you know, you see Hulk's game is this, and he's like starting to talk about the Avengers, each one of their games. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? Like nobody thinks of it that like that right away. But you think of me like, yeah, they do. They have games. And it's just, uh, and yeah, that's that's like you can lay these uh, pretty nice little patterns or way we look at these things over anything and go like, oh yeah. shit, this is helpful. One thing I recommend more than anything is watching old Chuck Jones Looney Tunes cartoons. Oh yeah, Looney. T- oh my god, the most yeah, solid yeah, yeah. gameplay you could it's ever the best. see. All of it's the best, and it's yeah, it's night. It's they play it out, reset, and go, they heighten it all back into this crazy. <laughs> and somebody always blows up at the end. Like yeah. the the one where. Uh, Bugs, Bugs Bunny and like the mob guy and yeah. like he gets like kidnapped Bugsy. by him and then like he fakes it the cop voice he, he, like you're like that is the best game and it's just like it keeps going and he's doing all these you're like oh my god <laughs> Looney Tunes uh, gets it listeners search Google or YouTube whichever website <laughs> works best for you for videos and uh, type in Looney Tunes or maybe Bugs Bunny pronoun trouble it's from a, trouble. it's from an ep- uh Episode a, yeah, a sure. short a Bugs Bunny short and it's a perfect example of game. I'm gonna check that out. Pronoun trouble. Pronoun trouble. Yeah, see if that comes up. I think it's from uh, Duck Season, a Rabbit Season. One of those two. One of them. I'll check it out. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about Looney Tunes. We're talking about game. I don't even know. Um, okay, so you got uh, so you, you uh, so I was gonna so I thought that the transfer over was going from music. Isn't that pillow the worst? Isn't that like poorly? Uh, what? Well, 
I'm holding a pillow now, listeners. Yeah. It was behind my back. I moved it to the front because I love having lap pillows. Oh, okay. I'm a pillow hugger. Yeah. Uh, it came from growing up being chubby. So whenever I sat down, <laughs> I would have a stomach fold, so I would hold a pillow over it. It's the out-of-water equivalent of wearing a shirt in a pool. Uh, so I just like hugging pillows. Oh. It's a comfort thing. Well, thank you for that uh, I'm a real deep confession. I love yeah. it. You're welcome. That's uh, what I, the show's about. Yeah, it is. That's a, we, we just want to get into the real stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I interrupted I wasn't you. Fat. No, I was going to say I wanted to just like confess something, but I, I didn't come up with something right away. We'll, I'll get, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll find something. Yeah, we'll find something. Um, uh, yeah, because I thought because my 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 initial guess was that you went from music to comedy, but you're doing improv all along. So you started doing uh, yeah. short form stuff in at high eight, school. At, yeah, so like 16, I started short form. Yeah, uh, and then got on the comedy sports team at 18, 18 because then they had a rule that you couldn't be on a team before 18. So 16 to 18, I was an intern basically for the comedy sports team. Yeah, and then got on when I was 18. Did you? Did that whole time piss you off? Were you like, I uh, could do this? Well, they were all my friends, so yeah. I was doing bits with them and doing like basically scenes with them outside of, and I was rehearsing, yeah. but I wasn't on the team uh, and couldn't do shows, and that did it killed me. But I did get to see my buddies do funny shows yeah. again. I was on a team with Blaine Swen, yeah. who who's, uh, does a one-man improvised musical at DCM that everybody should see. Was named Chicago's best improviser, so I got to watch him every week. Yeah, so it was like it was it was good, but it was you know it was bad, but that was great. Yeah. Uh, so so you fi- so you finally get on the team. You guys are doing short form. Uh, I'm sure you eventually had the the thing that all people who come from short form have is they do they discover a long form and like oh. This is great. Why would I do short form? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I'm 31 now. I started on a team doing weekly shows and weekly practices at 18. So I've been doing improv almost nonstop since then. Damn. Um, and I did discover long form. I discovered it like most people do through going to UCB and seeing ASCAT for the first time and having like your mind blown by that and be like, what am I doing? Everything is wrong. <laughs> and so I talked a lot of crap about short form for a long time until I realized, no, short form helped me so much be efficient with how I was funny Yeah, and group games. Uh, Bangarang, we love group games so much. It's part of our weekly show, a huge part of our new weekly show. And almost all of us came from short form background. Tooney until recently, Dave Tooney, who's on Bangarang, still did comedy sports up until recently. So it's like short form helps group games so much. Because yeah. it's like, hey, here's one stupid fun idea. Let's blow it out. Let's yeah. let's beat the hell out of it and see where it can go. And that's what short form got us. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Tara Copeland, who I'm sure you know. She, uh, from Diamond Line, has been on the podcast. She she once said, like, you want to get on a Herald team? Like, you should practice short form. Because that's all. You just you focus on a single game. You blow it out. That's that's all short form is. It's a great it's a great skill to have. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do it, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Such an interesting point to me. Because so many students watch two amazing teams at UCB, Last Day of School and Convoy. Mm. They all watch them religiously. And they're like, I want to be like that. I'm like, well, to get there, you should start in something a little bit simpler. You know, yeah. it's like they're there because they've done it for years. Yeah. It's like, yeah, try some short form games, man. You'd be surprised how much fun you'll have. Yeah. And that will teach you to be efficient and it'll teach you to, to uh, blow out that game well. And then you can work up to that. Yeah. I think I feel like I, I feel like per, I know it's the thing. Same thing, except it was with shitty jobs. Like, I want to do what shitty jobs does. It's like, oh. 
don't do what shitty you can't do what <laughs> shitty jobs does yeah <laughs> work on some of the other stuff first yeah the, <laughs> those guys know each other so well they yeah. have all the shorthand which makes it what they do possible yeah and they're all fantastic improvisers on top of that so that's like the perfect package yeah uh, yeah, man. You, you try to ramble into doing some of that stuff right out of 401, and you're just like, oh, I'm watching the show. Yeah, no, man. <laughs> just do, get a Herald practice group. Practice a Herald every week. Do a do a very efficient Herald often, and then get to that level. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to do. It's tough to, like, really pull off Herald stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pe- I think people, like, people get, people get, like, tired of it. I think coming out of 401 and there's like that little rebound where you're like, oh, it's just 401. I've been doing Herald's all this time. Let's just do some other stuff. But yeah. like by the time people come back, people get like frustrated. Then they're like, oh, it's hard. And they like get, they walk away from it really quick. Like I have that trouble consistently with groups yeah. of like, oh, we're going to do Herald. And then we do it for a little bit. Like this is hard. Can we do montages? They're fun. <laughs> you're like, yeah. So many, gr- so many students I hear is just like, well, we just want to do montage because of indie shows or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's fine. If, if that's what you want to do, great. But why not try having some form to what you're doing? Right. Teach yourself a discipline. Now you have a new muscle that you've worked, and you can integrate that into your Herald. You can integrate that into your montage. But montage just promotes going for a joke so much with tag outs, which are like the bane of montage. Yeah. Because someone will just tag out and just comment on the unusual thing that they've seen. It's like, so you're telling me you always do this? That's weird. It's like, well, great job. The worst tag out ever. You just tagged out to name the game instead of playing it. Yeah. Well done. Now what are you going to do for 30 seconds when no one tags you out? That type of tag out is so infectious. Uh, I see it so often, and it is—it's like it stresses me out every time I see it because literally that line will be delivered, and then the, like the person will kind of confirm it, and they'll both go, "Oh, we don't have anything funny now," <laughs> like because there's nothing, there's nothing to do, and yeah. you have you have to work like so much. Like you have to put so much force into get that game going again or whatever it is to like create something funny. And it's like all you had to do was either leave them alone or just not go like, well, this is what it was, right? <laughs> I remember I was doing a, a show once, a terrible show, poor, <laughs> basically in Santa Monica, no one there, drove there, found parking, did the, it was like a nightmare all around. And I was doing a scene as a doctor and I gave somebody uh, a couple like uh, aspirin or whatever. And I said, here, take this, you know, it increase your, your pain threshold. And a guy tagged that person out and was like, you're telling me as a doctor that aspirin just increases your pain tolerance and i went yes that's what i'm saying i went to medical school and that is how (laughs) aspirin works it doesn't reduce pain because that doesn't make sense it increases your ability to tolerate pain which is what all pain relievers do and then we just stood there and no one like edited you asked me a question and that's the honest answer yeah so it's like that's always my example of okay if you want to call out what you think is unusual and that's what you want to play yeah then i have to play the reality of it and now we're stuck in a boring stupid real scene yeah (laughs) <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, that is so... Yeah. And you were probably pissed at that moment, too. Yeah. Like. yeah. I've uh, I've gotten better at that, but I... I Anytime anyone made, like, a selfish move or, like, a joke move, it would bother me so much. Because all I can think is, you're being so selfish right yeah. now. It's like, this is for you to smirk at, not for the audience to enjoy. Yeah. Which, to me, is the most important thing you can do. 
if you're doing a show, people showed up, they parked, they paid, they did whatever they did to, and, and they're using 30 minutes of their life to watch you perform, why would you not want to give them the best possible show? Yeah. Don't ever go for a joke. Don't ever be tongue-in-cheek with yourself or have inside jokes. Make the audience feel like they should be there. Yeah. That, that it's worth their time. Yeah. It's funny. I'm the, I, I feel like, personally, I'm the worst at uh, commenting on scenes. Like I do it so, not I guess not. It's not like a necessary a go to, but like if so, something goes wonky like that, I will be the first to be like you fucking asshole in the scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, like it's just that thing. I'm like we're trying. You know what we're doing? Why? Yeah. And I think that just comes from. Uh, so many times we push like relationship and like know each other that is it's either the millionth time you've seen this person do this unusual thing or it's the first time so with both ways your reaction is going to be geared more towards hey why do you always do this to me you know and it comes from a place of concern or like wanting to understand somebody or it's a uh hey did you know uh why is this the case instead of just like oh that's your joke that's your game it's like that's not as fun you want to understand as your character so you can relate to them and move on yeah i love just do i love good relationships and scenes yeah how do we do that then how do we have good relationships good relationships and scenes let's talk about it be emotionally invested in your scene and what's happening between you. If you have an environment, your unusual thing could be enhanced by that. It's like, uh, you know, if, if you bark every time you hear a bell ring, that's, <laughs> it's like, it's, where is it the most unusual? Where, where, where could that, you know, what could help that game? Uh, you can use your environment, your surroundings to help. And I think that's a big part of having a good relationship is like, who would these people be in this location? If we're two lifeguards at a, at a water park is like that defines, that says so much about who we are to each other and how we would re- relate to each other. Yeah. So I always use like environment. Um, and I commit, you have to commit to just who you are and who you're, who the person is to you. What do they mean to you? Yeah. Look at that. I think, that, I think yeah, that's that. A lot of times I feel like uh, uh, trapped into getting into high stakes relationships a little. High stakes meaning uh, very emotionally invested in the person, uh, uh, very close relationships, you know, parents mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, uh, but I, yeah, that that thing of uh, having a relationship that's not that, that's not necessarily so, uh, you'd be so attached to that person, but still treating it to the point where there is a connection uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really articulating this no well. no I, you're making a good point it's like so many mm-hmm. times in scenes we see boyfriend girlfriend husband wife mother father right but there's so many other relationships in that right there's uh, co-workers and that's there are now a million things with that yeah there's uh, you know two two authors at a book fair there's a renaissance fair people everywhere Anywhere there's a fair, you can have right. a relationship there. Um, but there's two, there's pilots. There's, and I know this is getting on coworkers, but it's like it's more it's, than yeah. just two people sitting next to each other and, and imagining they're typing on a computer, right? Which is the stock office thing, right? And and the thing, the thing, I think the thing to me, or what I've been realizing and trying to incorporate more lately is like uh, that these people, even though like yeah, coworkers, like my coworkers, uh, I don't suspect that they care a ton uh about me 
you know, but they do, they, there is a, a way in which they do care about me. And that way is in maybe how they're perceived by me or, uh, or like if I'm going to get them in trouble or help them or whatever there is, yeah. there is, there is an, an investment in that person or, and what is it and like focusing on that and bringing that to the forefront yeah. as opposed to just going like ah we're two co-workers so we can be a couple of fucking assholes to each other right and you're like well that does that's not real like i'm not an asshole to my co-workers and why because there is a there is a relationship and it's it's more subtle than yet like the typical ones that we always see but it's there yeah it's how uh, you have to work with each other together yep. for so much uh I see so many arguments in scenes and people being like mean to another person. It's like, well, you wouldn't do that if that was your coworker. You would avoid conflict. Okay. So you would want to you would want to address it, but you would also want to be able to like maintain a professional relationship, which is something you have to do all the time whenever you have an office job with someone who's a terrible person, <laughs> uh, or if you're the terrible person to them. Is like you still have to see each other every day. You have to be civil and you have to be able to function efficiently. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you do want to move off of that. Uh, and when that stuff, and then when that stuff pays off, and you're like, you see, uh, those small dynamics coming into play. Uh, God, that is exciting for an audience. Is like that. I think I really do think that there's a, a huge part of improv that's not funny, but will be rewarded with laughter, and that's just like accuracy, like mm -hmm. real. If, if stuff comes off as accurate uh, and addresses things and like incorporates everything, and they're like, oh, this is real. If people buy the reality of it, they will laugh. They will respond with laughter. Uh, and it's not that it's, and it's like, you can do that all day long if you just invest or like, you know, really uh, treat those things as real. Uh, and you'll get a shitload of laughs from it. And you'll almost never have to be funny. Yeah. You know? And it, it, there's simplicity behind that too. And what, in what you're saying, simplicity is a big thing I push where a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I didn't think that, you know, that game was too basic or that was too easy or stupid of a game. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, perfect. Now it's easier <laughs> to play. It's like, it just depends on how you treat it. Yeah. If you really that, care about this simple thing and you're very sincere about it, then it does work great. It yeah. works better in my opinion. I remember saying that literally that exact thing probably a year and a half ago when doing, doing improv, just going like, we just do like really, we do like too simple of games. Uh, and it wasn't that, that the games were too simple. It was that I was unable to bring more to that simple game, you know, mm -hmm. like bring specificity or relationship or whatever it was. I was like, I, it's like, and I knew what it was. I knew exactly all I had to do was, you know, class example. I had to just be like a bad doctor or whatever, yeah. but I was unable to do it in a, a way that was satisfying because I'm like, oh, I need a complicated game that is hard and that and like and thus is funny or like it, there's so much going on that it's like, oh, it's crazy and it's funny. It's like no, it's yeah. a, bad, a bad doctor scene can really pull off, uh, I've, and I've seen great improvisers pull off a bad doctor scene and be really funny, uh, but they do it with specificity and strong choices and it's all the, that stuff. It's the whys and the philosophy behind it. Yeah, man. That's gonna and that that comes from commitment. And that's like, well, you know, why is this man this way and why is he able to get away with it? Or not even that, like it's a trick, but it's like what is what does it mean to him, this simple game? Yeah. I used to I used to also be very against just bad blank scenes. And then I yeah. I realize it's it's not a problem. It is. It, it's so simple. Sure, why not? Because that's the root of almost every story. Yeah, it's like bad boyfriend, <laughs> uh, bad general, bad president. Yep. It's like yeah, and yeah. There's a huge story off of that. Uh, and it's just the why. It's specificity and just commitment to it. 
Cool. So we solved improv, guys. So that's there all you, you guys. Do. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Send us each a check for seven thousand dollars. That's it. Only seven thousand dollars. You're real welcome. I'm humble. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, let's let's talk about. Uh, ooh. Okay. Let's talk about LA improv or like uh, I get the more recent pursuit because there was the the high school one and then it sounded like a little break and more focused on music. Mm-hmm. Is that true? And then and then uh, getting more. Into, into improv. Oof. That's windy as hell out there. It's scary. I thought your apartment was haunted. There's a <laughs> big gust blew through the room, and I'm just wearing a shirt, so it blew my shirt up. So now I'm just naked. No, it's just naked, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, I it's started a comfortable naked, podcast. So good. Uh, yeah. So LA improv. What was the question? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. What? How, yeah. How that gets started up, or like where? Where? What? Um, well, I was. After I did the music thing, in between music, I would take a class or two at uh, Cal State University of Bakersfield because that's where I'm from right. and that's where my parents live. So uh, I could take classes, live at home, and save money. Um, because believe it or not, being a musician does not make you that much money. I don't buy it. I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> unless you're Coldplay, you don't make any money. Well, luckily, you're making all that sweet improv money. Now, <laughs> there you so go. Now funny. I'm making huge cash off that. I am, but in different ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and not huge cash. Cash. <laughs> Enough cash. We'll say that. Um, so while I was doing that, I it was probably 2000 six maybe end of 2000 i forget the year but it's the first year the theater was open uh in christmas i went to a comedy death ray christmas show because Patton oswalt was going to be there and i loved his stuff so i went there and i saw comedy death ray and i loved like the vibe of those stand-ups i was like i want to come to the show every week so then i was like well let's see what else the theater has and my buddy is like oh you know that tv show we love uh, ucb upright citizens brigade has a uh a live show where they do improv. Yeah. It's like, well, let's go see Ascat. So we saw Ascat, and that blew us away. So for probably a year straight, I saw every Kami Death Ray and every Ascat. <laughs> and holy cow, that was so much driving and just like standing in line. But every night was worth it. I never regretted it. Um, so I started taking classes that next year. And uh, yeah. And almost right away, right when I started 201, uh, that some teachers recommended me to be a tech intern. Okay. So now I was doing, I was living in Bakersfield, commuting here for classes on Saturday, commuting here on Sunday to tech, Jeff Garland, Combo Platter, Cat, and whatever the later show was. I forget. It rotated, I think. Yeah. Um, so I was now working Cat every Saturday and watching it from the tech booth from a different perspective. Uh, and I got to know like the moves players would make before they made them. I, I learned how each player did things well. What yeah. made each player so good? There is a little bit of a, a moment when you're like watching improv, and you're like, you're, you f- I remember I, every now and then I feel like, oh, I'm getting it when I can like kind of say the line or like do the move in my head right before it happens. I'm like, you should do this. And then it happens. You're like, good, good. I'm getting it. <laughs> good. I'm getting this. <laughs> good. <laughs> or, you did it. Or, or like, you know, but like, yeah. yeah, the teams, the teams that you look up to, you go watch it like a smoke show or something like that. You're like, this is what the next line should be in my head. And that's it. And you're like, all right, cool. So at <laughs> least I could, I could have, I was as good as the smokes, that one line, that one line. And then they, the other times when they don't say what you're expecting yeah. and then it blows your mind and, and you die like, laughing. Yeah. And then you die. Yeah. Which is, and it turned out I was dead all along, so it's fine. And I, I, so because of that, for two years straight, I watched Ian Roberts play the world's greatest straight man. Yeah. 
And as far as commitment goes, nobody could beat him. And he kind of became who I modeled myself after in classes. Like, I want to play like him. So how can I top of my intelligence, just make sure I commit to, and that's a huge thing we haven't brought up yet, but top your intelligence. Be as smart as you can with who you are. You can still have an unusual thing and not be a dummy. Yeah. Because very smart people have very weird things that they do. Yeah. Uh, so then I, I blasted through all the classes with that, took multiple 401s with every teacher I could, and uh, did Herald auditions. Yeah. How many, how many of those did you do? I, I did three. Two, twice I got callbacks, and then the third time I got on Bangarang. Nice. So it was great. Half our team was uh, former UCB Herald Team Delicatessen. Our callback group. The other half was Bang Ring. First time I met Ryan Stanger was at our callback. That's cool. Yeah. Um, real quick on top of your intelligence, I think that uh, a uh, surprise. I just uh, interviewed Ian Roberts for the podcast. All right. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, but I think that's one of the things we were talking about. And he was like giving a few quick examples, uh, and I was like, "Oh, your uh, your crazy people." Uh, don't know that they're crazy like and like I, I i forget that sometimes like that's always something that you just gotta like if you're a crazy person you don't know that you're crazy and if somebody questions you you're like what are you wait why are you questioning me like i'm clearly saying this is going all everything i'm saying makes sense you're weird for questioning it. and like that's and that's so like that's so powerful to watch ian roberts specifically because he does that like well somebody will call him out or like get aggressive on him and i'll sort of like flip it a little bit and they'll like you can see that these straight men and, and the improvisers are both like what you're calling me out like yeah. no you're weird uh, and it's such it's such like great natural like heightening in that in that respect but it's also just like yeah it, this guy Crazy people don't know that they're crazy. That's that's the reality of it. And a huge part of that is your why. Yeah. Like to me, if if I'm unusual and I justify with my why, you can understand why I do it, but not agree with it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. And I, and it's true of like most film villains, where you're like, if it's a good movie, yeah, you'll be like, oh, I get why he's doing that effed yeah. up thing. It's just really messed up, and yeah. he shouldn't do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love whys, because they do that. It's like the crazy person doesn't think they're crazy. Oh, hit that uh, red orange button. Okay. A, uh, Thanks. A, a robotic <laughs> vacuum came to life and shot across the floor, terrifying everyone. <laughs> All two of us. All t- and the ghost. <laughs> and the ghost. Well, I thought I was going <laughs> to suck all my clothes up. <laughs> well, uh, I am, by the way, really quick side note, and do you, we don't have to dress it. We can move on. No, we but can always. I, I used to have a crippling fear of, uh, like, robot sentience. <laughs> really? Yeah. What? Huge. So anything that was large and animatronic would freak me out. Yo, I would. I just saw one of the worst uh, exhibits at the California Science Center. Uh, it was a fifty-foot uh, robotic person that was like laying down. And, no, like, thank you. <laughs> it was awful. It I was already terrifying just to like be there and a person who was not afraid of them. <laughs> but it was terrifying. Oh. Where, where did that come from? And are you over it? I have no idea, man. I know Terminator Two really messed me up when I was a kid. Yeah, that but one. had more to do with the apocalypse and uh, just, like, nuclear war. That one's, like, more hardcore than the first one, right? I get those two very <laughs> yeah. confused. Part yeah. two is the one with the liquid metal robot. Yeah, yeah. Turn into anybody. Yeah. Uh, I think it stems from that. Yeah. But uh, it's like going to Universal Studios. Uh, have you been there? Uh, not they have a, a while. Ju- Jurassic Park ride. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the end of Gigantic... 
T-Rex head comes, yeah, comes out, out from yeah. under a waterfall and screams at you, yeah. and then it blasts you out right under his jaw. Yeah. And that terrified me to no end and still kind of makes me nervous. I've gotten better about it. Yeah. Because I realized I just I can't live my life if I'm afraid of robots killing us. That's insanity. Wow. It there is, you go. It is. Uh I have a thing that I don't trust uh people who are holding sharp objects. Uh wow. like who people like if people are being nonchalant like if some if you know like if you're like if I'm next to somebody who's like chopping something and they're like they do like a gesture I'm like all right like I don't know uh, and my friend my friend Jake used to torture me because he'd like twirl knives or whatever he'd do he'd have like yeah. uh, the butterfly knife and I'm like all right all right stop and he knew that it bothered me he'd just like get more in my face but I'm like God and it's, it's like there's nothing I can do because I can't really push him away or something because he's got a knife <laughs> spinning knife. around and I can't really back up because I'm in a corner he's like ah all right just just calm yourself calm yourself is that scene in Alien when they're playing with a knife and they're on the table because no, I'm away nervous? from it. I'm oh, away from okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if there, it's just there, the any idea that there's like somewhat close danger <laughs> chance of terrifies you. me. Terrifies me. Does that come from you being stabbed by a knife? Yeah, I got stabbed by a knife a whole bunch. Uh, no, I saw, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't, I really have this like very strong memory from a from being a child and I actually I don't know if it was a movie or life but I remember seeing somebody's leg get like a knife dropped on it and it like cut oh. it open it was bad it was just really bad I was like ah oh shit those do it and it was just like it was a big oh, long God. and I was like oh no this is terrible These, this is what knives can do to me I'm gonna stay far away from them especially if they could potentially fall and stab me yeah. uh, also when I'm running uh, uh, I will uh, like you know how they have like spiked fences, like short spiked fences sure. that are up, up like waist height. I like I kind of I consciously like take steps far away <laughs> from it, and I'm like just in case I trip because I don't want to fall like into that thing and die. Like that's what I imagine will happen. Anything could happen at any time, guys. It's true. That that's <laughs> I'm I've accepted that and lived my life as a normal human being. Yeah. But anything could happen. You could step weird on a stair. Yeah. And the pressure is weird in your bones, and your just shin splat shatters. Could totally could happen. It's anything insane. could happen. Yeah. So uh, we gotta live, man. We gotta live, man. I was in, I was an RA and uh, in college, Cal State Northridge, and uh, we uh, we had a guy. Go somehow get into the the student dorms, and we had like big twelve foot spiked fences. Some apparently some guy jumped over the oh. fence. Uh, no, oh, oh yeah, I have another one of those stories. No, no, this one, this one's not that. Okay. Uh, he, j- he just jumped over and then ran through with a gun, apparently. Uh, and so like they're they're people like freaked out on it, whatever, and they're police, and but nothing happened. Uh, and uh, and then like we had the RAs had to have like meetings with our floors and. So I'm talking to them about it. I'm like, you know, I kind of explain the situation. And, and these guys were like getting all like hysterical at me. Like, you know, you should do more. We should do more. And I'm like, I'm like, well, we have police. We have, I think at that time we had like at least six police on the dorms campus, which is a small camp, like a small yeah. dorms, 2000 people. Uh, and it's like, we have big fences that are spiked. And like, you realize that like at some level, there's nothing we can do. And I said that and like. I just watched all these like faces go like, "What? You mean there's danger in the world that we can't control?" It was yeah, it was insane. You guys are at college. You're supposed to be learning these things. Man, you got to go out there and confront the gunman, make a friend. Yeah, that's exactly. how to do it. That's how to live life. <laughs> uh, these are all this is all bad advice, and uh, don't worry, nobody's gonna hurt you. Everybody. <laughs> um, okay. Well, hey, ooh, let's word it back up, back up, back up, back up. I don't know what I was gonna get into. 
I'm sure there's something there. That's fine. Don't worry about it, Stephen. Just move on. Uh, so let's so real quick, let's get into sketch a little bit because uh, you do sketch. Uh, oh, brother. Oh, brother. Uh, sketch teacher for UCB. Yeah. Oh, you do you, you sketch too. Cool. Uh, when are they gonna have another 201 that I can take? Cool man. Work uh, on it. Don't ask me. Work on it. Um, that's e- your job. Email uh, email the school supervisor. Johnny Meeks. Johnny Meeks. Cool. I will do that. Probably never. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, so okay, so you do uh, you do sketch, uh, and then I don't. I'm trying to think. Like what? Okay, so what's your way into writing sketch? Because it is different uh, than improv. Like uh, I guess to be boring about it, maybe where do you get your ideas? Or no, what do you find like funny? Like what do you like to do? Uh, I like to think of something that makes me laugh. It usually comes from bits. Or just watching TV uh, and thinking like, oh, well, that's a funny scenario. How could that heighten? Yeah. And then I'll play it out. Uh, what's great about sketch to me versus improv is improv has like that spontaneity and it's like you just go with it. Whereas with sketch, I don't ever force anything. It's like if an idea isn't funny enough to me, I don't have to do it. So I have that opportunity to revise or just edit before it even starts. Yeah. Um, so usually when I write sketches, I come up with a funny idea and I email it to myself if I'm out and about or busy. Yeah. But if I'm home and I think it's funny, I go to my computer right away and write it all in its entirety. Yeah. And write it, write it as long as I want and then edit it down. Yeah. But just to get like the full idea out. Yeah. Uh, so I love doing that. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm very big on yeah, right. Have to keep a list of ideas, but there is when you have an idea and you have the opportunity to write it, it's so much easier. I find like to, to write right away when that inspiration hits yeah. you because you're just like, oh shit, I have for some reason right now. There's creativity like here, and as opposed to one I have to find time later to force out. What was I was sure a funny idea? Yeah. Like I've had ideas go through me attempting to write it like four times until like oh now I can get it to where. It's funny again, but yeah, that's totally. I totally well, when that. you send yourself, like, write your note down on what your sketch is. What I do is I email to myself. I don't use notes for some reason. You're too good for um, it. Don't worry about it. But I email myself the the name of the game basically as a subject, yeah. and then in the body, I'll beat it out in my in my note to myself. Yeah. So it's like, well, here's funny height, and here's a funny height, and here's why I think it's funny. I could put a little note about that and then send it to me. So I do try to prevent that. Yeah. Well, what was so funny about that? Yeah. Um, but if an idea is good, it'll it'll come to life anyway. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. It takes it's, it's, it's hard. of the bad stuff you have to like force through your way through. Yeah, or really struggle to get out. If it's a funny enough idea, it just flows out. Yeah, funny, funny like yeah, if funny premises will write themselves isn't the right word, but or the right way to describe it. But there is a thing where it's like, oh, cool, stuff will come out of this if it's a, a strong enough premise. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, half-hearted premises, you're like, all right, what? All right, let me really, you really, like, work it and grind it down uh, to get to, like, this, like, okay product. But, like, yeah. a premise, when you really work it out, you can get something spectacular from it. It's very different. Very My different. favorite stuff I've, I've, like, written and shot, I wrote in 30 minutes yeah. it's like a, and that's like written it and gone back through and double checked it yeah. and then it's just tightening it or like like finding the funniest way to say something yeah yeah that yeah that's uh, I'm, I'm very big on that I don't like it I have a sketch group and like you'll see people just do like long wordy four lines you know, you know just to get out this joke I'm like man you can if, if, if six words will do it write those six words and just because it'll just seem like all home runs the whole time if you can get like these jokes that are tight and succinct like yeah. that's what uh, very frustrated get in, in and get out man very no frustrated one wants to writing. see a six minute sketch that's true 
Um, and then, uh, well, okay. I'm trying to think about, because I'm just thinking about our Sketch Bar experience. Uh, I was on one of the first house teams for Sketch Bar. Yeah, just randomly you did a great selected. job. Was super you had a really fun. good team. Yeah, it was super cool. I love everybody on that one. That was, uh, that was yeah, and those guys brought it to life like no other. So I'm trying to think if I can, uh, what what reference I can pull from that. Be like, hey, why'd you do that? Um, <laughs> They'll really have at me. No, I, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it, it, it was it's different. Yeah, it's interesting because... Um, I, uh, as a used to be writer, used to be performer. Uh, you were you were so very hyper focused on like a, a single specific game, uh, and I and I am not the you know I do sketch I guess outside of UCB. Um, uh, you know, had the UCB training or whatever. But yeah, like I will layer in things that I think are like funny, like uh, that we did a game show one, and I was like, oh well, I want it to be like this terrible situation, but I also want the guy to be dumb. Uh, and like, and you're like, no, 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 because you do that, it takes away from it. it was, I thought that was very interesting. I was like, oh, cool. This is mu- this must be what it's like to write for UCB. Yeah, and that just kind of going back to our improv thing, talking about is that if that's such a serious situation. It's great if the stakes are high to him. Like, it means a lot that he do well. Yeah. So it's like that that nervous energy will be will be funnier to me, uh, and certainly as the position of in the position of director. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I felt it was just the right call to make with uh, with the stakes for what the situation were. So you're totally right, and it played it played out really well. Uh, but I just remember, like, my and, and my my way my whole thing was like, oh, cool, this is funny, but it's also like dangerous. I was like, oh, I don't want anybody to go get, you know, pass it into drama, I guess. Like that, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what like you there's, mean. there's a way, like, I, I'm sure you've seen, uh, like a high stakes sketch or like something like, uh, you know, cancer, cancer, AIDS, whatever, uh, abortion. And you're just like, oh, this isn't funny. Cause you're not making it funny. Yeah. You know, you're not get putting us at the safe distance from it, uh, to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it comes from like the hyper absurdity of, of how serious we are in this stupid situation is another great example of, uh, that Kirby enthusiasm gives where it's like such an uncomfortable, like, uh, something uncomfortable happens at a funeral. Yeah. It's like, it's very serious. We all love this man. And this one guy is, is concerned about a golf club or whatever. It's like, not now, this is not the place for it. And you feel uncomfortable but because you're uncomfortable, you have like this nervous laugh that you do, but then it also gets bigger as you see that heighten. And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I get that. I love playing sketches, high stakes. So my team does that a lot. We do like more dramatic sketches that get big payoffs because of that. It's all acting. I have a question. How do you feel about the British office or have you ever seen it? I've seen it. I prefer, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Prefer it to the U S office. Well, I don't want to say that. You can say it. Why? uh, Do you know somebody? It's fine. Don't worry about it. They don't listen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my friends my friends that write for The Office are huge uh, podcast, improv podcast fans. Uh, <laughs> I I think I I love The British Office, man. Yeah. I, I think Ricky Gervais did such a good job with that. And yeah. it is that like uncomfortable place where it's like... Uh, a good example of that is that scene where he brings Dawn in and tells her she's fired. Sure. And he's like, get your get your shit, get out of here. You're yeah. gone. You're an idiot or whatever. Yeah. And she cries and he goes, I'm so sorry. She goes, you're such like a small man. Yeah. <laughs> Which calls out his game. Yeah. But uh, just how uncomfortable that scene was is one of the funniest scenes in the world to me. Oh, man. See, I feel not that. 
I watched and because uh, I watch that and I feel like I suffer along with the people. <laughs> like I, I get, yeah. I really genuinely am just like, oh, this hurts. I'm like, oh, I have a why would this who, happen? I had a friend who watched Meet the Parents and he's like you. He got so sick to his stomach he almost threw up. Watch <laughs> it because he's like, why does this bad stuff keep happening to this guy who means well? Oh, that's so funny. He, it got. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's more honest to. To use your very specific sketch example where it's uh, a guy, just for the listeners to know, the yeah. premise is a guy goes on a game show to win money, uh, <laughs> and you find out it's because his son has been kidnapped and he needs it as a ransom money, and that's the way he's going to do it. Uh, so using that example, to me, if he's dumb, you almost don't root for him then because he's like an idiot. Yeah. So it's funny to see him legitimately try, and you're kind of like – like laughing with him with the show where it's like yes is he gonna do it like what other problems could come up oh the other contestant wants to win yeah oh it, it's a round where you win a trip how does that help him at all and then the laughter and the cl- and how clever it is comes from what's preventing him from getting it because he could just do a good job the show could go normal he could win and he'd have money yeah so it's like there he won he won what's preventing him from doing that and that's where the jokes came from me yeah but i I know what you mean about like other schools of thought where it's like well we can layer this on with multiple funny things he has an absurd character he has this but to me it's how we were talking about earlier about the idea of simple simple game yeah that's too many plates spinning yeah you've now just boiled it down to one plate yeah and it's the premise which was great yeah. And it's such a smart, funny premise. I wanted to see that heighten. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that necessarily it's all that different a school of thought. It's just like, like for me, my, like I said, the reason for for me for doing it was like, oh, like a safety for the audience and just to go like, oh, it's okay. He's dumb. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like in the, in the, if you're not rooting for him because he's dumb, then you don't mind so much that his kid's going to die. I don't know. It was, yeah, it's which, very... Which undercuts the premise, though, to me. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make it as serious. So, so now it's like all bets are off. See, so you're right. You're always right. <laughs> uh, and you were right, and it worked out well. It worked um, out well. Great. I love it. Uh, so, you know what? We're, we're about we're at the 50-minute mark. We did pretty right. good here. Holy cow. Uh, can you believe that? Just time, flew, flew by, man. Right on by. A couple bros hanging out, one of them <laughs> naked. Yeah, <laughs> I wish it was me. Um, so, okay, I want uh, then. Uh, let's see. Okay, I want to talk about uh, your your girlfriend Jackie. Yes, yes, yes. Jackie Johnson. Jackie Johnson. Uh, funny, lovely. Uh, I had a conversation with her uh, one, at one of the sketch bars, uh, and she was telling me about you. Uh, and she was saying that you are a uh, ridiculously uh, motivated and hardworking person. Oh, that's sweet of her to say. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's very cute. I wish I had somebody <laughs> who cared about me. Um, so, jokes. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> uh, uh, but, no, th- that interests me because uh, I, I like, uh, uh, I try to I try to work very hard. I think it's very difficult. Uh, and I just kind of, I want to learn about process. Like, what do you do? Like, what is is there, is that claim valid at all? Whoa, how can we back up that as a true fact? Jeez. I, I'm, uh, and I'm not. I'm not asking for you to boast necessarily, because well, if, if that's why you said geez, <laughs> yeah. that's what, I'm not. I'm not saying like, oh, boast about how much work you do. I'm just curious, like, how you do it, because like, I I try to I try to stay, ma- maintain productivity, uh, and it is hard. I feel like there there's a certain like, I feel like I run into like limits on my own output, and I'm like, that's there's it's not there. It's not there. I'm just I'm being a baby. 
when I first started, I tried to be available for everything all the time. Yeah. And it worked. I did not too shabby for a year straight, which was, a, that was when I still lived out of town. So that yeah. was a huge strain on me, uh, on my relationship that I had at the time. And just like my family telling them I have to go to LA to do this free show where I'm doing <laughs> a two minute bit. Um, I tried to do every indie show. I did every, like anything that was available for me to do, I did. And I did that for years. And then I got to a point where uh, it did help me. I made tons of amazing friends uh, and, and got to, got to uh, workshop my stuff all the time, made me a better performer. It made me a better uh, like person, being able to be around all these great people who lifted me up and made me better. Yeah. Um, and then I got to a point recently where I realized there's not enough time to do everything you want to do. Yeah. There's not enough time to be to do everything that other people want you to do. Yeah. So you have to, at a certain point, be a little selfish and think, what do I ultimately want to achieve? And what do I need to be doing to make sure that's in place? Yeah. So budget your time that way. It's like uh, make sure if you have like a, a – what is your focus? Writing, directing? Writing. So if, if your focus is writing, make sure you're doing at least you know X amount of hours a day on that. Yeah. Where you don't do anything else, you don't worry about anything else. You don't don't let anything bother you, and you just have like say that two hours where you've shut off the world and you just focus on that. Now you know you have to do that every day because that's what you want to do. Yeah. And when you get staffed or you sell a feature, that's all you will be doing. So it's a good way to train to get ready ready for that. Um, and then you make sure it happens. Yeah. Don't ever let yourself. Uh, like push it off or put anything else in the way of it. Um, uh, I did a web series with Funny or Die called Cleve Dixon Terrible Detective that is three episodes of a web series and uh, I really wanted to make it happen. I wanted the best cast. I wanted it to look amazing and I, it was my first like professional thing. I wanted it to be flawless. So I wrote it. I did my revisions. Every day I looked at it and made sure it was tight. You know, I met with them. We got everything in order. Any step I needed to take to make it happen, I just made sure was taken care of before I did anything else. We shot it, edited, put up. Now I'm done with that. Yeah. I'm very happy of like that product that I move on to the next thing. But make sure you're giving what you want to have happen your focus. Yeah. Don't let anything else get in the way of that because yeah. it's very easy to let that happen. Yeah, I think that I think that's totally true, and that's something that I, I'm. Uh, just coming to realize of just like because uh, I do uh, I, have, I have a, a pretty strong background in, in film production and I edit uh, I can shoot I can do a lot of that stuff pretty well uh, and I get asked to do a lot of that stuff and I for a long time and even now like I was like hey, I'll take all of it I'll take them all I'll do I love to help I love doing it uh, and it's I do enjoy it but it's also like well, I haven't gotten to do any of my writing, and and even like even now I'm doing. Uh, James and Drew did a little web series, and I'm editing that. And I took it. I kind of like I tried. I gave them like a soft no. I'm like, listen, I wouldn't be able to get to it for forever, and I, they, I'm sure they would turn me down. And then they're like, yeah. And then I'm like, shit, I did. And I started doing it. And I'm like behind yeah. on the deadlines because I'm juggling all this stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's that thing of like, yeah, focusing on the stuff that you you care about more. You want to really do, and like uh, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's probably the right thing to do to go a hundred percent. I'm not ever doing yeah. anything for and with anybody ever again, but there is that thing of like, Oh cool. What's, what's my focus and can I yeah. commit some time to and it? You, you could know? say, you know, 
I can't right now, but when I do have time, I would love to do it. Yeah. You know, just you cut, you know, caught me at the wrong time or whatever. For the longest time, I was worried that people would think I was a bad, like a bad guy. Cause I was like turning them down or like, no, I can't do this. I'm sorry. I can't do this show. Yeah. But it's like, people understand. They do understand that yeah. you're a good person. They know you, you that you're not mad at them. Yeah. And, uh, you'll be able to get your stuff done and that's that's what's important man because you you want to focus on what you want to do yeah uh yeah when you when you have that simple priority it's easy it's easier to uh get stuff shut up shut other stuff down in a in a a nice way or yeah a nice positive way and then who knows you know we're all friends you'll work with them again in some other capacity right say you do finish that project that you're writing you sell it and now you get to recommend them for uh, a part. Yeah. You get to take a friend who's edited your one of your beta videos, and you get to put them on as an editor. Right. It's like we all help each other. It's good for everybody to come up together. Totally agree, hundred percent. And that, and, that, and that's what and because I was so in favor of that philosophy uh, and still am that like I was like I'll take on everybody's thing always. And like, oh shit. It's a lot of work. It's yeah, a lot of work. It is a lot of work, and yeah. it, it will stress you out, and it will burn you out. Yeah. And then you won't be giving your that's, best. Yes. That's the problem is getting burned out doing other stuff and not bringing, like, like I was saying, like, you know, there's, I do, I really, I really do think there's a, a finite amount of creativity that you necessarily have in you in a day. Uh, and it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty good amount, but there is that thing of like, if you do a full day doing somebody else's thing and then you also do another thing and you're tired because you stayed up late to working on, you're like, get, when the time you get that down to the computer and you're like, okay, let me write my sketch. You're just like, ah. All right, some guy walks in. Like it's just, it's tough, you know. <laughs> some guy walks in. Yeah, that's the name that's, of the sketch and the name of the game. That's a lot of my a lot of my sketches. Is some guy walks in and oh boy, Great. it's a situation. Some guys in all caps. That's yeah. a character name. Yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> uh, I went into Neil Campbell uh, to do, have him look at a couple of sketches, and uh, uh, it was very clear that like. Uh, all of my sketches played out like it is unintentional but they all played out in like a very weird way that was like a normal line and situation and then a guy in the worst moment of his life uh and then oh boy it only gets worse mm. it's like yeah i guess that's what i write it's weird um you got your thing yeah, I, got, I got my thing this is my woody <laughs> allen sketch um uh <clears throat> all right well let's uh you know what let's let's go ahead and wrap this up so uh, Pearls of Wisdom segment, classic segment on the show. Uh, note, uh, <laughs> call it a classic segment for no reason. <laughs> no, it's just nothing to make it a classic other than I say this. Uh, a note or feedback or piece of advice that you got, maybe you had an impact on your writing, improv, whatever, something thoughtful, maybe something that you share with people, maybe you already said it before. Uh, sure. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll share it. <laughs> you said sure. As, I, I like it. You said it as if you're like, well, I almost said no, but I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I'll share a, a real personal thing. Uh, I think it was 201 I had with my friend and yours, Drew DeFonso Marks, name drop. Name drop. And he was my teacher, and I was doing a scene with Evan Susser, who's a very talented writer. Uh, and we were kind of half-assing our way through a scene, laughing at it, not really committing halfway through the scene drew goes just edit and we stopped and we looked at him and he was shaking his head and he was silent for a little bit and then he goes i expect better from you too sit down and we sat down and then the next two went up and they did their scene that was his only feedback on that scene and that was the first time i realized people do care people do want you to see you do well and they they want your best from you. You know, it's like, don't ever, don't ever 
just do something half-assed. Always commit. Uh, and then this carries over, too, to people getting discouraged about uh, or nervous during Herald auditions where it's like, I guarantee you the room, it's been said a ton of times, but it's like the, the people watching you, the Herald committee, always says, we want you to do your best. We want you yeah. to have your best shows. That is 100% true. This community is not built around people who want you to fail and suck. We want to see your best stuff, and we want to laugh. We want to have a good time, and we want, uh, you know, that's what they're looking for. So that long-winded down, I kind of got distracted. But to me, him saying that was the first time I realized I need to commit and do my best at all times, no matter what the stakes are. If it's an indie show... If it's uh, like a free show at midnight that no one's going to see, if it's a character show where industry is there, do everything the same. It's the best, the best possible work you could do. And don't do anything less. I love it. That uh, That is a devastating moment that I'm sure like like that would that would be devastating to me. I would cry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that I'm sure. Yeah, that that will that will stay with you for a while. It will stay with me forever. I still <laughs> remind him of it to this day. That's funny. I love it. Uh, uh, and then oh, what was I was going to say, uh, I was, was going to do something on Herald Editions and I forgot. Oh yeah, I remember because uh, everybody there's there's plenty of uh, rumors about the the Herald audition process and um, uh, one common one is like they never laugh. They don't find anything funny. Uh, they give you a hard time. They hate you. Uh, and I was like, oh, God. And I just did my first one this last round. And I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be rough. And I was like, was worried about it. I was like, oh, shit, I'm getting laughs. Oh, everybody, people are getting laughs when they do funny things. Yeah. Cool. They, this is an enjoyable process. Uh, and, and I recognize it in the callback, too, even though even though I was so stressed out beyond belief because I didn't realize how many people were going to be at the callback. And, yeah. like, I was, like, suddenly getting the callback, I was, like, oh, suddenly caring a lot more. I'm like, oh, God, I, I could get on a team. What happens if I get on a team? Then we'll uh, – uh, and then – but even then, they're like, they, 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 they laugh, doesn't does, – do, do good stuff. They want you to succeed. They always want your best. Why not? Why not? Yeah, they always want your best. And the other thing to remember is they want to make the best teams possible at the time with, like, who they have in their callback. So you could be ready but not get on a team because, like, the math didn't work for the team they were building or something. Sure. So always keep that in mind, too. Um, it's like, for me, on my second callback, I was I was really crushed when I didn't get on a team. It's like, I, you know, I think I'm ready, but I, I wasn't. Yeah. And then I got on Bangarang and like, look how it worked out for me. It's like, they knew what they were doing Yeah, and I should have trusted them and they, you know, not worried about it. And they put me on a team that was perfect. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, the, that taking the rejection thing of, uh, knocking out a team, I think there's a, there's a way to look at that, uh, much different than people do as opposed to taking it as a personal rejection and just going like, cool, they're not ready for what I have right now. And that, that could be a knock on you and it could be a knock on them, but it doesn't really matter. It's just like, whatever it is that the, the plugs just didn't fit, uh, yeah. this time around. And maybe it will in the future. Maybe it won't. It doesn't really matter. It just didn't work this time. And like, that's how I, I try to do that with everything like auditions and like writing stuff. It's like, man, they're not into it. They're not into what I, what I brought to the table this time you for whatever such reason. Such a good point where it's like, how did how did, how can this how can it be that devastating to to not get on that team when we are auditioning every day of our lives 
for a ton of money yeah. and losing out roles every day. I just had two auditions today. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get those. Yeah. I'm not gonna book them. It's obvious when the people in the room is like, well, you don't really. Hey, yeah. I still went and I still tried. Is like I'm gonna do more auditions tomorrow. Yeah. It's like you just we're we're a city that's built <laughs> upon dealing with rejection. Yeah. Because you only get you only get it you know one out of a thousand times. Right. You get rejected a million times to you know yeah. the odds are just so much higher that you will fail so it's like you got to be used to that yeah and getting and uh having a process in place of of dealing with that i think <laughs> yeah. is important too because like uh yeah well I, I saw last auditions i i told the story before i went to a party uh where people were finding out if they were getting callbacks or not. Oh, no. And uh, it was, uh, I don't think it was intended to go down like this, but a lot of people weren't getting callbacks because there's only, you know, there's only so many spots. Uh, and it was, it was devastating. People were taking it poor, and you're like, oh, like, and I get it, like, because I care, and I, I'm sure I would have taken it poorly-ish yeah. if I hadn't gotten one, but it's that thing, and like, you got to find a way to deal with all these things because that's, again, what we're doing, writing, acting, if you want to do improv for all your life, uh, you're going to get so much rejection. And it's just like, that's part of the process. And it's like, you got it. And with that process, like if you have a process, like we're talking about, you know, the process of how you get writing done or how you take notes or whatever, there also should be a process along with something that is oh so common as rejection. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, they weren't. And that's what I say. Like, yeah, they weren't ready for me. And, and that, it's, that <laughs> you know, brings it back to that idea of what I was talking about, like, find your focus and just work really hard on that is like you have that rejection sure but now you're going to go back and you're going to be working on that one thing that you really want yeah so it's like that's not taken from you and yeah. that's your focus so that's the thing you care the most about it's true oh and don't forget family too super important oh yeah whatever <laughs> uh all right well adam i think that's uh, i think that's it Great. unless you, you want to cover anything else uh you are more than welcome to i always say that but nobody ever i think i say that's it and then they're like i'm done well i feel like it's that's more than enough of me for someone having to list, have to listen to. So. Uh, I'm, I'm sure people are very interested. <laughs> follow follow my own podcast where I talk about how good the thing I'm drinking tastes. You have a podcast? What, wait, what? Really? Yeah, it's all about that. No, I don't. <laughs> I like, because like, I don't know. I've heard of drinking podcasts before. I was like, that doesn't sound yeah, like Adam. No, but all very right. basic. All right. Uh, and then, so wait, uh, uh, Bang Rang Tuesday nights. Uh, uh, oh, brother, third. Second Wednesday of every month. Second Wednesday. Part so. of Mod Night. Part of Mod Night. Why not just go to Mod Night? Just go to Mod See Night. See some teams. Just practice that up. And then uh, and then your 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 one man show coming one back. One man show April, April 29th, 29th at 9:30. 9:30. Be there. It's be called so. Pitiful Creatures. Pitiful Creatures. That I like the title. Um all right, cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, man. Yeah. Ho ho, I hope you found that as interesting as I did. Adam McCabe is a hell of a dude, and I'll tell you, I looked up to him before interviewing him, and now even more so. So I hope you've just become a fan of Adam McCabe, too. Uh, quick show plugs for me. Tuesday, May 28th at 9.30, Distant Relatives will be at Tuesday Night Thunder at the Clubhouse. There's actually a small chance I won't make it, but go anyway. Support my team. Uh, Thursday, May 30th at 8 o'clock, Sticks Martin, beloved improv team, is doing a sketch uh, that I wrote for the Hip Hop Penguin graduation show at UCBLA that Tuesday, Thursday, that's Thursday, May 30th, 8 o'clock, UCBLA. Go check it out. It's going to be fun. Um, I think that's all I got for the plugs right now. Um, come support. Hey, uh, did everybody enjoy the LA Indie Improv Festival? I know a bunch of you were there. I saw some people. We talked. It was great. 
Um, I'd love to hear some of your favorite moments. If you had any highlights or if there's anything that I missed that I should have seen, uh, come tell me. I think I'll make a post about it because I really do want to know. Uh, that's it. Golden Age of Improv. Happy improvising. Be excellent to each other. Happy Memorial Day. And I will see you all next week. I will see you all in your ears. That's weird. It was just weird. I'm sorry. I don't know how to end this thing. Goodbye. Hey, everybody. Do you like getting stoned and watching a movie? Or just watching a movie? Well, then check out our podcast, I Am Weed, where we... And a guest. Go to the movies and discuss it after. A movie review podcast with a little token twist. Get it? Oh, boy. But hey, you don't have to smoke weed to enjoy this podcast. Uh, you should enjoy watching movies, though. Subscribe to I Am Weed on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.